1: Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to another episode of Commas Over Cold Brew with me your host Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to my friend Lucy Bartholomew who is an Australian professional ultra slash trail runner. She's 24 so she's my age and she's also a huge foodie and we have a lot in common and I thought it would be really cool to have her come on the podcast and share a little bit about trail running because something I don't really know much about and she's elite. Most notably in my mind in 2018 she took third for females in the western states which you guys might be familiar with. But that's enough of me talking. Let's just get straight into the episode. All right, Lucy, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. I don't think we've ever actually, like, talked face-to-face, so... It's nice to finally connect via Zoom. How are you doing?
2: Yeah. Hey, Emma. Yeah, I know. It's the first time I've actually gotten to speak to you, uh, not through Instagram or through uh, messages. But yeah, it's good. I'm uh, in Australia. It's cold, um, but it is getting warmer and the days are getting longer. So it's uh, the only way is up from here. That's great. It's
1: so funny to even think about that. I don't think about that that often because our days are getting shorter and it's getting colder. So... We're headed into the winter. You're headed into the summer, which is bizarre. I, my brain can't comprehend it. I've never. I don't think I've ever been anywhere that I, like has a change in season like that for me. That's like the opposite. So
2: yeah, and it's funny because I'm normally I travel with the summers. So right now I would usually be. Well, I would be coming back to Australia, but I would have not endured a winter. I would have been in America or in Europe. So. To actually experience seasons this year for the first time in six years was uh, well. You can see I'm wearing three three jumpers. So I'm not <laughs> haven't I haven't done well. <laughs> you haven't adjusted yet. <laughs>
1: um, okay, to start the podcast, let's let's get a little rundown of who you are and what you're about.
2: Cool. So yeah, my name is Lucy Bartholomew. I'm 24 years old from Australia. I live in Melbourne um and i run ultra trail so ultra distance uh for those who don't know is anything over a marathon so anything over 42.2 kilometers 26 miles uh is considered an ultra my kind of passion and my love for it is more around that 100 kilometer distance up to 100 miles so up to 160 kilometers And I ran my first 100K when I was 15 years old. So I've been at the sport for for nine years now, Um, but I'm considered still the baby and will always be. And uh, yeah, apart from that, I just love, uh, I love community. I love um, just being outside. I just love sport and um, yeah, pretty passionate about kind of plant-based eating, moving your body and uh, yeah, I guess just kind of enjoying life.
1: Yeah. How did you... I just can't even imagine running that long, that young. How did you get into it?
2: Yeah. So my dad, so, um, he ran a lot of the Melbourne marathons. He's run a lot of road marathons and he, uh, was getting older and getting slower. And he kind of, his solution to that was all just go further and then slowing down. Isn't that big a deal. Um, and so we just kind of trained together. I would ride next to him, he'd run. And then as I got stronger and older, I ran and he entered this 100K race in the Blue Mountains in Sydney and would he was terrified um, and I went up with him at the age of 13 and I remember just waving him off from the start line and being like, well, what do I do for the next kind of God knows how long? Um, and so I got all his stuff, put it in a backpack and did what I'd been doing in training and I just ran and I ended up following the course and I took a few shortcuts when I got to a lot of the checkpoints before he did and he was like oh Lucy like the hills out there and I was like yeah I went up them and I had all your shit in my backpack and here I am like gonna help you and um yeah and at about 80ks he said you're not crossing the finish line (laughs) with me you know like you've got to you've got to like just chill out go have a shower and just meet me at the end and um yeah when I finished that race I was like I gotta find a 100k race that will let a a young 15 year old in. And um, yeah, I managed to find one that kind of said you can enter the race as long as you run side by side with your dad. And so that's exactly what I did. Oh my gosh, that's wild.
1: Like, did you run? Were you running before that? Or was it just kind of like, whatever, just training for with your dad alongside your dad? Or did you do anything competitively before entering that race?
2: No, like I ran, I ran school cross country and school athletics because it's compulsory here. And that was kind of the 3k and the 3k is, you know, not a popular event, especially for females. So I was kind of like would get through to, uh, I don't know what it is in America, but for us, it was just like the regional and then the state. Um, But that's not I think that's not as competitive as what it is in America. Um, and then, yeah, like it was kind of like I ran cause I knew I had to run and then I played a lot of team sports and running was the convenient thing to do and you didn't have any friends to throw a ball at. Um, so I was just kind of. Yeah, it was just the convenient fitness, but then I now just love the simplicity of it is that you know, I, I mean, you're doing triathlon training. That's the example of how hard and how much equipment and flat tires and oh. goggles. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. My wallet literally hates me.
2: It's just the biking.
1: The running is fine and the swimming is fine. Like swimming is very minimal. I mean, I haven't even been swimming that much, so maybe that's also it. But the biking, man, like there's a reason why there's only usually older people in the sport because you need money to do it. It's so expensive
2: compared to running. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> so
1: I'm curious, like, what is a typical week of training like for you?
2: Yeah. Um it's not as probably as extensive as what people think i think people uh look at ultra runners and they're like man you just must run all the time and you know one we don't run all the time because in those distances there's a lot of walking and you can practice that Uh, and there's a lot of eating on the run and it's just kind of like having a buffet in your backpack and going for a hike Um, we call that training in our sport So a week for me is, you know, Monday is always a rest day. I'm very consistent with that. And then I run about 130 kilometers. I've no idea what that is in miles. Um, (laughs) Someone can convert that. Someone can convert that. Um, And it's just made up of easy runs, but I have been starting with this whole lockdown. I've just kind of we've got a bit of a time restraint on how long we can be out so i can't do the long long runs so instead i've just been trying to to do a bit of faster stuff and it's a bit a bit a lot flatter because it's just around where i live
1: nice okay i just did the conversion it's a rough conversion i think i think it's correct it's about 60 miles a week
2: yeah okay which i listening to you on the podcast i listen to some listen to some of the others and i'm yeah, it's amazing how, how much people are running.
1: Yeah, um, but you're like, I I follow you on Strava and you're like running, like the elevation gain is massive compared to what normal people are doing. Like the professional road racers or track runners are not going, you know, thousands feet of elevation every time they go running and for hours too.
2: So, yeah, so I train off time more than distance. So yeah. I'm kind of like looking for that 10 to 11 hours at the moment. But having said that, I am tr- did get into a race. Maybe I can do one race in 2020, um, which is 240 kilometers. Um, don't know what that is in miles either. I'm going to convert it <laughs> right now. Um, that goes from the beach up to Australia's highest peak. And so I will need to increase. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're high. My- <laughs> That's like
1: 110 miles. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I can't even imagine. Like I my longest run I did the Chicago marathon last year, and dude my hips are just destroyed. Like how do yes. you run?
2: How do you run for that long?
1: That was like the number one question I got from anyone asking on the Instagram. How do you do it?
2: Yeah, and I have to say, you know, I followed your build up to that Chicago marathon, and. Road marathoning is very, very different to trail running, Um, you know, especially for your hips and your bones and your muscles because you are moving in so many different directions with the roots and the rocks and the trees. You know, you're constantly changing and it's a lot more forgiving to the body um i honestly think that emma you would be an amazing ultra athlete i know that you've got sage Canada already (laughs) kind of uh riding on your youtube saying that you need to collaborate um yeah i'm like a sage dude i
1: i (laughs) fall every time i run on the trails i don't know
2: yeah no we all fall
1: (laughs) just a rite of passage i guess
2: It's absolutely yeah i think um Yeah. You know, how do you do it? It's one foot in front of the other. It's no different to road running. It's no different to track running. It, ultra running is a mindset and it's being comfortable in the fact that you're going to spend all day sweaty, tired with some sore feet, and you're just going to be okay with that. You got to embrace it and just I think if you took your watch off and we went running and walking and eating together, you'd happily spend a day because you've got that amazing mindset that you've shown through social media. And I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's all it takes to be a, an ultra runner.
1: Yeah. I just don't think I've ever gone on a run with like an ultra runner. It's like, with I don't know. Maybe I go too fast when I'm running on the trails. I just don't, I don't think I'm ever enjoying my trail running and I always fall like how often do you fall because i feel like maybe it's my bad knee lift i can't tell but i tend to always fall when i run on the trails
2: well you know it's super funny because you have this thing in ultra running called the ultra shuffle and you can see it i've developed it super young because even when i was running the 3k track um at school in my last year everyone else you know the girls are in their underwear and bra and you know spikes and looking super fast and thin and whatever and I was there and I had still that ultra shuffle and that's just like where you lift your foot like the bare minimum to get it off the ground, swing it through, plant it and it's just super efficient. I can do it for hundreds of kilometers, hundreds of miles, but um, on the track, you know, and I have this stupid little dinosaur hand when I run. Um, I don't know why I have this core and so all these girls looking super strong and there I was like little dinosaur in like shorts and my Solomon shoes, my trail shoes and yeah i was just like wow you know this is i really made it i'm looking good (laughs) in style yeah in style but the thing is you just learn you fall you learn you get back up and I fell the other week on a, on a run and I was like, wow, I haven't fallen in so long and it hurts so much to have to fall and get back up. And yeah, my knee is still recovering, but you'll get there, get better. You seem to keep going out there.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely need to practice a little more, but I, it sounds like I already have the, what's it called? The ultra shuffle. I already have it. I haven't even practiced with the ultra and I think I've had it for years. At least since I've grown, like I don't think my stride length or knee lift has changed since I was like five, two. So I just, my, my feet, I think they get one inch off the ground, you know? So if there's anything impeding that, that's where it just starts to tell, tum- like that's where I fall on the ground. Um, so yeah, maybe I just need to go up on the trails and practice that a little more, but I'll probably fit right in. I'm assuming. So <laughs> we
2: would love to have you emma
1: yeah i'll just uh, trying something new yet again i should run in the trails more though because it is really good for the joints i will say
2: yes yeah yeah and the mind
1: and the mind it's nice to be out in nature it makes all the difference like running in the concrete jungle is just kind of it gets rough after a while man
2: I don't know how how you guys do it you know I see some people's runs on Strava and they're just these blocks like real squares and I just you know like I need zigzags and I need <laughs> like, I need yeah. a little bit of climbing a little bit of descending and uh, not a lot of people and no cars <laughs> so, yeah Oh yeah
1: yeah are you better at like uphill running or downhill running because downhill running frightens me
2: yeah no i'm definitely not a downhill runner especially like in comparison to a lot of a lot of the athletes in the sport uh especially when you go onto trail they get pretty technical on the downhills and um especially in europe not so much in america or australia but yeah i'm more of like i'm happy to grind up a hill and just kind of be that like i think i can i think i can train you know i'm just like diesel engine i'll just grind all day but um yeah i certainly don't like let loose on the downhills uh, at all (laughs) do you find that you're like
1: recovering on the downhills or is it still like challenging
2: no i kind of use that as my recovery yeah i'm like well the risk and the injury like i'm just not um i'm not equipped enough to to go hard on this so i might as well recover so i can when i get to something i can actually thrive on i'll yeah. um give it a little something but at the same time like with ultra running, you're not really like pushing and reserving energy you're just kind of going slow and getting slower you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't think it sounds so fun come on
2: <laughs> hey you get to eat along the way it's oh fun. i'm in
1: i'm in i'm sold <laughs> okay questions about that i got so many questions about fueling while running my first experience of fueling while exercising, I was on the bike last year when I was training for the marathon because I was like biking a lot to build up my base. And I i could not consume food and bike at the same time because I was like panting. I've never eaten anything while running until last year for the marathon because I never really had to. My longest run was like 11 miles in college. You don't – most of the time you don't need to fuel for that if it's like 70 minutes or whatever I was running – Um, but yeah, I'm like panting and like gasping for air and it's not enjoyable. And at least it wasn't for me, but do you have any tips for people that are trying like to go longer on their runs and they have to fuel, how do you make it tolerable (laughs) or enjoyable? Do you make it, is it fun for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, I'm probably not the best example of it. Like I, I ran, um, I have a bit of a a logo associated me which is the watermelon it's a picture of a watermelon and the reason why is because I'm pretty known to that uh I kind of just my nutrition plan falls away I'll run 100 kilometers just off watermelon which is not enough calories and that's what happened yeah I did this 100k race in South Africa and i got about you know 10 kilometers in um and about 60 mile race and i was about five miles in and my body was just like no we can't do gels today we're not we can't do food and um so the only thing that i could eat my stomach would take was coke the drink and obviously and <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i have to obviously. tell you Obviously. <laughs> Um, and watermelon and so I would run um, into checkpoints and my crew would fill my two water bottles up with coke and then I would walk out with like a piece of watermelon in each hand a few watermelon pieces in my backpack because I had to take that for the next you know 10 miles into the next checkpoint and all the photographers that's all they took pictures of and I, um, I came back to Australia and I was on national TV and they said you know like Um, they said Lucy Bartholomew, and it didn't say who won Alter Trail, Cape Town, 100K. It said Lucy Bartholomew, known for her excessive amounts of eating watermelon. (laughs) And I just had this Instagram following just like double, and all these people were just interested in how much I ate of watermelon. And um, yeah, so the point of the story is, (laughs) you've got to find what works for you. Um, And sometimes it's as simple as watermelon. Sometimes you can take sandwiches you know in America I did a hundred mile race and at one of the checkpoints there is like quesadillas and pizzas and burritos and it's like a buffet and you walk in because you're not running it's a hundred miles you know you're just kind of dawdling in yeah you can sit down and have a three-course meal so the difference between your example and my example is that you're running so hard that you're panting and unable to eat yeah, your body's going to like shut off your stomach. We're not going that fast. So we're like, yeah, we're ordering our pizza two aid stations back, picking it up and then walking off with it into the wilderness and calling it race day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds
1: honestly ideal. Like I can see the appeal of trail running now. Everyone's like, how? I'm like, why wouldn't I do this? You know, I can (laughs) eat pizza and run at the same time. That's ideal. (laughs) Wait, how much watermelon did you eat?
2: Uh, I probably ate equivalent to three full watermelons that day, Um, and probably like three or four liters of Coke. Yeah. My teeth hated me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: How was your stomach okay? Like, weren't you super bloated, or did just like running and walking help de-bloat you as you ate it?
2: Yeah, it was fine. I think it was really just, you know, like watermelons, obviously a lot of hydration and Coke's a lot of fluid as well. And I was sweating so much in South Africa that it was just kind of like water and energy in water and energy out. So I was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great thing to do. I bonked pretty hard at the end, but, um, it got me to the end and that was the main thing. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you just
1: got to listen to your body then.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. A little bit. <laughs> Fight it a little bit. Listen a little more.
1: <laughs> Fight it a little bit. Fight the urge to only eat watermelon. Have you done it since or is that is that a one and done kind of situation?
2: Well, then it became kind of my thing and people started gifting me watermelons, you know, everywhere I went around the world. It was kind of like, Oh, you've got to try the Spanish watermelon. Oh, in Mexico we have a yellow watermelon. And I was just like, Oh, like I'm kind of done with the watermelon thing. Like, can watermelon I thing my was fruit? like a
1: gonna <laughs> change my fruit. I don't need any more,
0: please
2: yeah but then yeah like i ran the 100 miles in in america western states uh which is in california in june and it's really really warm there and it was kind of my fallback was watermelon because it just it was really hydrating those canyons got up to you know 100 degrees fahrenheit and um yeah it was kind of that and uh what like what else did i eat pickles were kind of my two things (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you need the
1: salt. I can see why you would crave pickles as part of that. Yeah. But that's like no nutrition at all. They're like five calories or something.
2: Yeah, no, so like along the way, you know, for I do use I use Spring Energy as my gels. So they're kind of they're an American-based um company for they make like real food gels that are used with a base of rice, bananas, kinda of like pureed baby food. Um which my stomach is like, oh cool, we eat a lot of like pureed food and um, fruits and stuff. Whereas other gels like made with maltodextrin and really, really syrupy, my stomach is just like, we never eat this except for race day, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, And so I kind of learned that I'm better off, you know, using those spring energy gels, but they're kind of like, there's only so much kind of baby food texture you can eat um, before you're like, wow, poor babies, you know, this is not,
1: (laughs) I feel bad for the kids out there, man.
2: As you're running 100 miles, man, those babies eating this food, yikes. Yeah, those, all those ones sitting down, hanging out, like, man, they're, they are got it bad.
1: Oh, that's funny. Um, okay, let's get into some more listener questions, because I know people, they want to pick your brain, and they want to know more about ultra and trail racing, and You are an expert. I mean, I don't really know that much about the scene. So I want to hear too. Um, To start off, what are some shoe recommendations that you have?
2: Yeah, cool. So I'm paid to say Solomon. Um, So I'm going to say Solomon trail shoes. (laughs) Um, You know, I've worn them since I won my first pair when I was 15. So I've loved them for eight years and they've worked really well on the trails. You gotta find what works for you. I know that, Emma, I think you've run in, in hokas before, is that right?
1: Yeah, I've run in hokas before. I like them.
2: Yeah, so they make really good trail shoes um, that are really like forgiving for your feet. Solomon tend to go for more of the fast and light approach, which is for me is better. You know, I don't need a big drop in my, uh, my feet, and that's really strong and really accustomed. But if you're new to the sport, the thing is, in hokas, you're definitely gonna trip on shit because um, they're very, very uh, like wearing wedges you know like high heels um, they are it's like running yeah. on, a,
1: on a cloud it's a thick sole
2: thick sole
1: yeah.
2: um so yeah i think you're just gonna find what works for you i every foot's different everyone's gonna find different things um but it's really obviously very very important that you find a good pair of shoes because uh yeah they're gonna be with you every step
1: yeah that's a long way to go with uncomfortable shoes yeah Do you think it's best to like go into a store and like try them out? Like, how do you think people could find good trail running shoes? Or is it just kind of trial and error? Like you try a pair and you're like, oh, got a big blister on to the next one.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, going into a store is definitely, uh, I think helpful, you know, but you're not going to know because of the way that trail running isn't just repetitive motion. It's not like road running where every step is kind of the same with trail running. You know, you do land on uneven rocks. You do kind of skid a little if you're going on a steep downhill, you know, if you're going to run in, in snow, then you're going to like, you're going to learn to slide on the shoes. So it's pretty, um, yeah, it's kind of something you can't be like, oh, I'm just going to try all these shoes. I'm just going to head up the mountain and slide down the snow. And then I'll let you know if I want to buy them or not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you take a little risk, you know, and, and I think that you can definitely kind of find a lot of answers through looking at other athletes that wear them, like the guy Sage candidate we were talking about before, he's a hoker athlete, and he's really, really good at talking about the shoes and what's available. And then I'm Solomon, and I'm happy to kind of tell the difference between because there's lots and lots of options out there and Nike is the other one that's super super um, popular the Kygers. Um I know that people love those because they can kind of do uh, road and trail and it's not like I have to invest in a whole new pair of shoes but I can have a hybrid that does both
1: yeah, that's interesting because when people ask me for shoe recommendations, I just tell them to go to their store because I mean, I, I wear Nikes and I love Nikes, but like you said, every foot is different. So it's hard to give a recommendation, but it's easy to tell someone to go to the store so that the people there can like look at their running gait and analysis and you can like do the little test run on, I don't know, the 10 feet of a surface area there is, <laughs> or maybe like some stores have treadmills now, but... It's different for trail running because you can't, like you said, just go up a mountain and <laughs> see it, see how it feels and return them when they're all dirty and roughed yeah. up. So that's, that's interesting. Um, what do you take on long solo runs? Like what do you yeah. bring with you? Yeah,
2: yeah. so for a long solo run, um, if I, I always take my phone. Um, so that's really, really important. Even if I don't have signal, I'll still just have it with me um other things I take is food and water um and if I, if I don't know the route then I take excessive amounts of both of those things if I do then I can kind of you know I know where I can pick up water and how much I'm going to need um if I'm going to the mountains I take like a jacket a, a rain jacket I'll take a thermal you know it's all very very kind of depends where you're going what kind of year it is what's the season um and yeah like in Australia I mean we have you know, every animal wants to kill you, is what they say. So kind of (laughs) taking, yeah, you should come visit. (laughs) That sounds inviting. (laughs) Yeah, so we have, you know, like snake bandages, um, which is just, yeah, you have snakes. I don't know why we have bandages, but it's really just a bandage. Um, But which is good in case you roll your ankle. Like there's just so much that can happen and you're very inaccessible when you're on the trails. So you just have to be completely self-sufficient but also have your backup plans. Like if things happen, you need to um, know how to get out of there and what you can do. Um, So yeah, you know, in my backpack, I usually take like 500 uh, liter of water, um whatever that is in your metrics um <laughs> i
1: don't know i have no clue <laughs> i need <laughs> to go back to science class <laughs>
2: yeah, this is i feel like people are gonna be listening to this and being like i have no idea what she's talking about <laughs> uh snake bandage what <laughs> um, but yeah you know some first aid a jacket some food some water and you're pretty good to go a map if you're gonna get lost yeah
1: man you must be quite the adventurer
2: yeah, well, you've got a backpack in this sport. So you've got to get strong holding quite a bit of gear. So you kind of, yeah, you're like a little explorer. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's pretty cool. What's the, okay, yeah. this is a question um, from a listener, aka Emma Abrahamson. Uh, what is the scariest thing that you've, like, encountered on one of your runs or races?
2: Um, So I, in America, I ran into a bear. Um, <gasps> oh, no, Like. no yeah and that was kind of it was so exciting to me uh more than scary i was just like oh i finally got to see one but then it was kind of what do i do you know like and uh that was a really really cool but really scary experience um so that's probably my animal one and then um probably the the craziest thing was i was running in norway and i was running down this ski slope and i slipped onto my bum which i knew was kind of like something you could do and people did and i got to the bottom of the ski slope and i could feel my um my leg like tingling and i looked up the ski snow ski slope and i saw a red blood line of the whole way that i'd just gone down and i lifted up my shorts and um i'd severed and frozen off I got third degree burns down to the bone of my um on my ass cheek and I ended up but I couldn't feel it because everything was frozen and so I just ran back to the car and got you know went back to my hotel and I was like oh it's fine I'll sleep it off you know like I'll be right and then in the middle of the night my leg just went like totally nuts and I ended up like I was so dehydrated from the burn that I took my bed cover which was stuck to my butt um and went walked to the pharmacy at 1 a.m. in the morning, which was obviously closed, and slept outside the pharmacy with my blanket stuck to my butt. And then um and then I the shouldn't be laughing.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs>
2: and then the pharmacist came to open up the store and was found this Australian girl with like, yeah, half a butt cheek missing. And um yeah, it took me to hospital. <laughs> and Are you okay? Probably- Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one way to take a few inches off your bum. Uh, I don't recommend it, but it was probably the scariest thing. Like, yeah, aside from an animal or running into someone or something, having to deal with that in a foreign country was uh, probably the scariest thing I've done.
1: Oh my gosh. Was anyone like with you or did you tell anyone, hey, uh, my butt cheek is frozen off or (laughs) extremely bloody?
2: (laughs) I was meant to race and I ended up not racing and I had them like the race directors visited the hospital where I was and it was just kind of like one of those things where you're just like wow this is so embarrassing like I now have to travel to Greece to meet my my mom and I'm sitting on the airplane with like a donut cushion to (sighs) lift my ass cheek off the, the seat with like a diaper that wraps up to my torso and every time I need to go to the toilet I need to like slice it down the side and rewrap so it's like (laughs) yeah that sounds like like
1: a painful and a really bad like recovery process did it take you a while to recover from that
2: yeah it was well it took me a while I don't know if I fully have full feeling back like if I fell on it I don't know if it would be certain areas I don't think there's any nerves anymore um but i mean i went to greece and i ended up they were like oh you know don't get it in salt water and don't let it see the sun and and i was like i'm in greece like this is this is not gonna be gonna be good but i ended up going into the sea with it and i felt like the sea water just like totally like burnt like hell when i went in but it came out the other side and i was like i think this is really good for it okay
1: there you go you're finding (laughs) what works that
2: advice though
1: Please, no one listen to that advice, but yeah, it worked yeah. for you, but that's it.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Next, next question. Um, what is you? Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I'm all over the place, but you probably travel the most out of anyone I follow on Instagram. What is, what is your favorite place that you've traveled? I feel like you're always on the move.
2: Yeah, I do. I, I'm only home normally in Australia for about two to three months of the year. Um, so uh, my favorite place that I've traveled to would be probably South Africa. Um, I loved Cape Town where I was and I think that their culture and their the sea, the mountains, they've got it all. Like you can run in the morning, surf in the evenings, Uh, Amazing fruit and just really, really kind people. I think it gets a bit of a bad rap, especially for females um, traveling there alone. But I have nothing but amazing things to say about it.
1: Man, you your Instagram inspires me. I need to be more of a traveler. I I always like stay within the states just because I I get nervous for like world traveling. I don't probably just from what people say, but I think I need to be a little more independent and sort of and that sort of thing. Have you had any scary travel experiences?
2: um not ones that like I haven't personally put myself into that uh into that position and that's because you know when I first started I was traveling around with not a whole lot of money and um you know I wasn't really sponsored I was just kind of like given some shoes which shoes doesn't pay for accommodation so you know I'd come sometimes take the bus somewhere and sleep at you know a bus stop or like whatever um yeah oh man (laughs) yeah it's a glamorous life of ultra running but i remember i um i flew in no i took the bus into Annecy in france which is a beautiful town um very very expensive and i had a a meeting or something the next day but i had one night where i didn't have any accommodation i didn't know anyone and so i kind of just like sat at this bus stop and um or this tourist info center that was closed and this homeless guy came up And um anyway, you know, when you just kind of you make this assumption on someone based on what they look like and how dirty their fingernails are. And we ended up sat and we um just chatted and I ended up buying him some McDonald's and we sat there and all night and I just felt so much more comfortable having, you know, a guy around and just kind of not being alone and he was yeah, he was just kind of like, you know, I ended up in Annecy too and it's just I've stayed here but continued this lifestyle. And that was kind of like a real eye-opening thing of you know you you got to sometimes give people the chance and yeah a lot of my uh experiences traveling have just been of like we create a lot of scenarios in our head which will stop us traveling and stop us enjoying these things when actually it's never as bad as what we think
1: yeah that's crazy that's like awesome i i want to i want to be inspired by you and that sort of thing i mean i am but i want to actually take action on it and go and travel Come
2: traveling come travel with me (laughs) I
1: I, do I literally would we should once the coronavirus situation gets a little better um we'll we'll talk more but I definitely want to I'm gonna take you up on that okay next listener question how do you feel before after and during a run well you kind of already talked about during so how do you feel before and after
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's any different to running on the road or the track. I think, you know, you just have like oatmeal seems to be kind of like the standard answer. Two pieces of toast with a banana and peanut butter seems to be the other answer. Um, You know, I kind of train a lot of my runs fasted. I don't eat before I run purely out of um, convenience for myself to not have to get up. Um, But I'm also really aware and becoming increasingly more aware of kind of what the implications of that can be for some people Um, I don't seem to have the problems of, you know, the hormones and kind of, you know, it's an intuitive thing. And if you're just doing it because you're trying not to eat as much and you think that's better for your running, then that's, that's a different case. I'm just, you know, I'm lazy. I'm content and I'm fine to, to run for an hour or two without anything. Um, And then after After running, gosh, you know, anything. Like, I really love a smoothie bowl. I think it's the best way to get, like, ample nutrients in to, um, yeah, especially eating a plant-based diet. You're kind of just wanting to get as many nutrients as you can in and lots of nuts and seeds and cereals and – yeah fruits and veggies and yeah kind of i don't know i think that nutrition is something that people are so fascinated in and i just recently released an ebook um which is on my website of there's about 80 80, 70 80 recipes in there and i i think it's like i when i was typing up the recipes i was like man hummus that's not really a recipe like come on lucy and then people just like oh it's just so easy to make you know like and i was like Wow, okay, like really we can go back like let's just scale it back to the basics, you know. And I think that like your recipes are are amazing because they're not using like Amazonian 70-year-old chia seeds that you need to find <laughs> and source and pay thousands of dollars for. It's like, no, pumpkin puree, some peanut butter, some oats and you've got, you know, your fall addiction thing that you like (laughs) and um yeah I just think especially plant-based eating gets a bad rap for being either really really expensive really really inconvenient or really like uh non versatile like it's just salad um so yeah I mean I don't eat any different than what probably Emma eats and um yeah I just want convenience I want cheap I want tasty and I want to be full Yeah. yeah It
1: is crazy how people think eating a plant-based diet is more expensive than eating like the normal traditional, whatever diet, Western standard American diet or whatever. But from times where I've been like fully, mostly uh, plant-based, it's been the least expensive, (laughs) like the least expensive grocery trips. Because once you just go to the basics and you're just eating basically fresh produce. I never really go organic because I don't want to spend that extra money. I like to be on a budget. Yeah, (laughs) that's where it gets pricey because you can make like a vegan diet really expensive if you go for the Amazonian whatever and the all organic produce or like the specialty products that are packaged and are marketed to you at a high price. But if you stick to the basics and you go produce and like basically I shop in the bulk bins a lot of the time Um, just like seeds, nuts, oats, it can be pretty inexpensive. So I recommend giving it a shot or just limiting the amount of packaged food that you buy because that's where it starts to add up. I can just tell in my own grocery shopping.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, like there's two ways to be, to be vegan, right. And there's be plant-based and Um, there's, you know, there's the rice, potatoes, um, cabbage, like carrots, you know, like the, they're considered peasant foods because that's what they gave like the, the slaves of the world. That was kind of the cheapest way to feed them was like bags of oats or whatever. Um, and then, but then there's now these new things that are just like, oh, you can have, um. Fermented uh falafel balls that have been sitting in a you know in Colombia for six years to <laughs> ferment and become the best thing for you, and they're gonna make you thrive and it's just like well, that's a lot of shit, like honestly, you know I just want to eat falafels. I don't really care where they've like how many years they've been fermenting and aging. It's not a cheese, all right it's not gonna get any better um, <laughs> it's not cheese so like yeah you know it's just it's as simple as you want to make it it's like anything you can make running super complicated you can make it heart rate based and numbers based and trying to be and all these amazing things but at the end of the day running is running it's one foot in front of the other and then recovery is the same thing you know like people have these guns that shoot into their muscles they have these pants that blow up around them they have you know, like all these things. And it's like, you know, the the best runners in Kenya, they don't have all those things. They just use their body as their tool and they just stretch and do what they feel is best. So same with eating. Again, they're not eating the fermented uh, falafel balls. They're eating rice and, uh, and beans most of the time.
1: Man, I love that comparison. I've never even really thought of it like that, but it's so true. Like, especially if you're a beginner to any of it, whether that's running, eating or recovery, keeping it simple is makes all the difference because I feel like if you overcomplicate it, you're going to be less likely to stick with it. And a lot of running and recovery and nutrition is about consistency. Like you're not going to see results unless you consistently do it and don't give up after a week when it gets confusing or hard. Um, so I like that comparison that you made with, uh, recovery and, and running. That's awesome. And go check out Lucy's ebook. Uh, do you have a hummus recipe in there or a falafel recipe? You have the hummus. Do, what about falafel?
2: I yeah, I do. Well, it's kind of like um, a lot of the recipes kind of start. Uh, it's kind of like a zero waste um, book where if you make something like the dal recipe, the next kind of three or four pages a way to reinvent that because I'm aware that like a lot of people, whether that be parents or athletes make something as meal prep, And then by the end of the week, they're like, dear Lord, do not serve me dal. Um, And so the idea is that like, okay, you've got a bit of dal left. You can like turn the page, you can turn that dal into like falafel burgers or balls um, just by simply adding maybe like one or two ingredients and you've got a completely different meal. Um, And it just means that like, yeah, you can kind of make something and be like, this can turn, dal can turn into burgers, falafel balls, it can turn into a shepherd's pie, it can turn into a jacket potato, it can turn into, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And it's just like, maybe it it gives it new life every time. That's awesome.
1: Man, I can't wait to make some of those recipes. That's going to be really exciting. For sure going to go on the food Instagram.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking forward to, uh, one craze foodies cookbook.
1: Oh, don't get me started. It it's coming. Here. It's coming. It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll arrive at some point. It's TBD though. We'll see. Uh, okay. A couple more questions before we conclude. So how do you structure your weekly training? Like, do you have a coach?
2: Yeah. So I'm coached by an American coach, David Roach. Um, they're, training um company is called some work All play and he coaches some of the best uh or most of the best actually in the alter world um and he's just someone who he writes a lot for trail runner mag um and he's kind of like a very uh, uh holistic coach where he thinks a lot about Yeah, you've got to run and you've got to train, but also you've got to be happy, you've got to be stoked, you've got to be consistent, and you've got to rest. You know, that stress plus rest equals growth. And I think a lot of people miss the whole resting bit. You know, we all want to stress our bodies, we want to run hard, we want to be fast, but you know, like rest is rest. And the only way you can rest is sitting down, chilling out. Resting is not, you know, having a hard day at work, it's not missing sleep, it's not like, you know, there's just, He's just very kind of like, Mondays is your rest day. Don't do anything, you know? Like, don't think that, that. Oh, okay, I'll go swim three kilometers in the pool. That's not a rest for you. Like, that is hard for me. <laughs> uh, it might be easy for you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so he kind of just structures. He's just like, Mondays your rest day. You know, Tuesday is an easy run and just kind of wor- warming the body back up for the week. Wednesday is your workout day. Thursday is like an easy, long run. Friday is just the short, short, easy day. It's called like a glamorized rest day. So you just run like six six miles. Um, And then Saturday and Sunday are kind of like long days with maybe a little workout in there. But it's all just like you got to find what you can do consistently and like do the basics really well. And like the basics can be just lacing up and going easy out the door and just kind of enjoying running for what it is
1: yeah what's an example of a workout that you do
2: yeah so like um last week I did so it's a five uh, three mile (laughs) warm-up
1: people know what 5k is but
2: but like my coach writes in miles so even I convert what he says to me and I put it into my watch in kilometers and I give it back to him in miles so it's a three mile warm-up and then um it was Three by ten minutes with a four-minute recovery, and then three by one minute on, two minutes off, and then three-mile cooldown. So it comes to like 23 k. It's just over a half marathon of yeah. work. Yeah,
1: I guess that's not that different than what road runners do, but it's just on trails. It's just it's just completely yeah. different setting. But
2: yeah, and then we just back up. Like the next day is kind of like a, a twenty-mile long run.
1: <laughs> it's just a just a twenty mile long run. <laughs> Each their own, man. I don't know.
2: You'll be joining us one day.
1: Oh, I can't wait! <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm lacing up my trail shoes right now. Um, in your first few ultras, what percentage would you think is running, and what percentage is walking?
2: Um well I mean it depends where your where your ultras are. You know, if my first hundred K was along the beach or along the coastline, so it was pretty flat and we ran most of that way and that was kind of 12 hours of just kind of jogging. And then the only time we'd walk was when we had food through the aid stations. Um But, you know, like in a race, like in France, in the European Alps, uh, you know, I did this 120 kilometer race um, and it has, uh, I don't know this in feet, but 7,000 meters of up and down. And I, it took uh, 13 hours. And for that of the 120 kilometers, I probably walked probably 50 50 kilometers so like just under half um because the the hills are so steep they're so long um and it's just about consistency you know like from the get-go you know people walk off the start lines on some of these races because they're like you know there's just no need to to kind of exert yourself you let's just ease into this and then ease out of it because yeah we're never gasping well we shouldn't be
1: (laughs) yeah are you gasping at the end like, do you make a final surge to that line?
2: I, I haven't really. Like, there's only been kind of like a few races where I've had to like sprint to like make you know, make up a position. I remember doing a race in, in Chamonix in France and it was coming down the final eight kilometers of switchbacks, like all downhill. And I could see this um, this little Russian she has red hair, really bright. And I could see her switchbacking a few in front of me. And she looked so much closer than she was because of the zigzags. Um, but actually I think she was like a kilometer or so, but we ended up, um, coming into town together and, um, the, the train barriers went down because the train was coming through and she stopped for the train. I was like, I'm not stopping for a train. If I stop, I'm not going to be able to start again. So I ducked under the barriers and then we had this little, then she ducked under too. And we had this little, little fight with this like, um, the train crossing warden being like uh guys <laughs> sorry we're busy <laughs> i was like hello we're 80k's done I'm getting to that finish line
1: <laughs> so who won yeah. who won the duke i did okay yeah that's what we like to see <laughs> sorry to the other girl if you're listening <laughs> she has no idea who i am <laughs> okay two more questions how do you stay entertained or stop focus focusing on the pain during ultra runs
2: yeah first of all um pains probably you know like pain is there's two types of pain pain that you should be feeling and you should recognize and that should maybe lead to you stopping or slowing or adjusting uh, and then there is pain of just like wow this is just really long and really like boring and repetitive and like that's kind of painful in a way um for me you know it's it, sometimes it's music sometimes it's a podcast like I've listened to I think I can proudly say I've listened to all your podcasts now
1: oh my um, gosh I'm honored yeah
2: yeah I have a lot of times oh yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I went through like three or four of yours in one go just kind oh, of yeah, kept that's rolling a lot of my through. voice yeah I was like I oh it's ever again <laughs>
1: oh this girl again!
2: all right no no it was great very entertaining um so kind of podcasts and music are something you can do if you really want to pull yourself out of the present moment but for me you know time really does pass and i think that's the most important thing to remember with um with ultra running and with probably just running in general is like there's moments where you feel where you feel shit and things hurt and time suck and it seems like a really long way but everything passes and everything moves on. And, you know, within a few moments you can be, Oh, this is the best thing ever. I love running. I'm so strong. I'm so empowered. And I think that sometimes it's best not to like plug something into your ears, but instead just to kind of like focus on where you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it. um, How amazing it is that you have the freedom and the ability to put shoes on and to go for this run and to sign up Um, you know, for me, I travel so much and I'm running in places that are so just kind of, I never thought I'd get to, um, that, yeah, it's just like, wow. Like, even if this is a little painful because it's a long way, it's still like one of the best things. And I'll look back on this and be like, wow, you know, this didn't suck because of the pain. It was awesome because of the opportunity.
1: Oh my gosh, Lucy, you're so inspiring. You literally inspire me. I, (laughs) I run with music every single run. I n- yeah. almost I almost never run without music unless I'm running with a friend. But I just I I have a hard time doing it without it. The only time I really do is during races, which is weird. I should probably train myself to not. I just love listening to music, but I should really? I should experience the world a little more.
2: I was running this morning and um I ran for 10 miles and I was like and I went out and I you know when you just like, you know a run's going to feel long kind of in the first few minutes, you're like, "Oh, are we there yet? You that know? happened to me yesterday. <laughs> and I was, and I started doing this thing. I've been doing it for a few years now, but I do it on and off where I just breathe in and out of my nose. So you close your mouth and you just breathe in and out and it really slows you down, but also makes you really focus um, on just kind of like your breathing. And I find it, and it's really nice because at the moment people don't really want to talk to you because of COVID. So you don't have to worry about like having a conversation with someone or like smiling at them because people's wearing masks and don't see you. Um, And yeah, and I just think it's such a nice way to kind of like really become in tune with your body because you're listening to your breath, like you're just trying to breathe in and out. You're trying to stay, slows you down. Yeah. But like, that's perfect on an easy day. And it's one of my favorite things to do, just kind of like zone in on me and just like, have control over something. And then you just like looking around and you're like, this isn't so bad. You know, this is 90 minutes of my life that is just like, just about me and my breathing and no one cares what I do.
1: That's so funny because I feel like the reason that I, that I'm like force myself to listen to music. I don't force myself. I like listening to music. you want like, hear breathing. Because I don't hear my breathing. <laughs> and I can't, the thing is I can't listen to podcasts on runs because I don't like to hear my breath. I, I like my breath needs to be toned out because maybe i'm breathing too hard maybe i'm going too fast on my runs i can't tell but there's something i probably am honestly i think that that's it but i'm panting and i every time i there's that gap between songs and i like hear myself gasping for air. i'm like no next please next song.
2: <laughs> no and that's the thing right like you know you're I, you can never do easy runs easy enough. And I, I was the same, like when I was kind of coming back into I had a bit of a, a, t- a tough year last year and I was the same thing. I just did not want to hear my footsteps. I didn't want to hear my breath. I didn't want to like, I was just so like, Oh, Lucy, you sound so heavy. And Oh, Lucy, like you're breathing so hard and you're going so slow. And I had all these judgments and it's having that ability to change your mindset of like, wow, like I am, Yeah, I'm taking all these steps and my body is coping through all of that. And all those breaths are like, they're super, super special. You know, they're so, we're so lucky that we have the ability and the opportunity to go and breathe hard for an hour or whatever. But I think instead of like putting myself down for all those things and being like, ugh, like Lucy, that's, you're disgusting. Like, look at that. You know, instead of being like, wow, Lucy, you're doing it. And whatever that looks like you know, in my reality and in someone else's reality, because we all think that we we're breathing a lot harder than we are and that we're uh, sounding a lot heavier and we look a little bit less professional than we should. Um, You know, if someone else is probably driving by going heck yeah, look at that. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'm going to get out there. And yeah, it's just kind of, I think you should really challenge yourself this week to to run without music and um, and just kind of appreciate it is for what it is.
1: I'm literally going to do that. I'm going to go run in the trails this week and I'm going to run without music and I'm going to be Perfect. in tune with my breath, my body, the outside world, feet. my
0: feet. Lift. Yep. Lift your feet a little bit.
1: Lift my feet, for sure. Okay, last question to close up the podcast. What is like your long-term girl – whoa, girl. <laughs> What's your long-term <laughs> goal with running?
2: Um, You know – I don't really know. I think I just want to, I want to keep it in my life. I want to keep it consistent. Um, I don't want to do what I did kind of going back into 2018, 2019 where I kind of took running for a little bit of granted and ran out, ran my love of running, which is something that I always said, like, if I ever stopped loving it, I would stop doing it. Um, But it's amazing how you can kind of lose sight of what, whether you're really loving it or whether you're just, this is your routine. Yes. I I relate to uh, that
1: very hard.
2: Yeah. And I think it's amazing that women are speaking, uh, women and men, but especially females are speaking about it because it is so common. Um, So I think, yeah, like I, that's probably the area that I'm super interested in is, you know, that kind of. Um, you know, having that self love for it. And that's why putting out the ebook was kind of like the recipe book was just kind of like, you know, self love comes in forms of movement, it comes in forms of nourishment, it comes in forms of connection. And like being aware of the people you follow, like I follow on Instagram, I think about 50 people. And it's because those 50 people are people that add to my life and they give me something. And someone like you, Emma, is, you know, I never met you, but I received messages from you and I've spoken to you and we've WhatsApped. And, you know, it's kind of like, that's what I want to give to the running world is like, just that perspective of like, it is not everything. You are not your results. You know, I've had great successes. I've also had really big failures. And when I had the successes, people were like, oh, you've, have you made it? Like, how has your life changed? I can tell you, it hasn't changed at all, <laughs> you know, like still go home. I still struggle with self-image. I still struggle with uh, trolls online. I still, you know, like still all these things. I'm 24 years old, like give me some, give me a break. And um, so, yeah, I think with running, I just want to be, you know, something in the sport that is just like everyone just hold your horses and just realize that like running is not the fucking, the sorry, the thing at the top of the, like the, the main thing in life on your gravestone is not going to be your results. You know, you got to realize that, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's a sport, it's a community, but there's so much more out there. And, um, yeah, people like you are the good people to, uh, to be following.
1: I mean you as well. Like, I feel like you were kind of my spirit animal or right? I, we, we haven't even met in person, but I feel like we have, We share so many of the same thoughts about running. I mean, what you said is basically kind of how I want to experience the running world uh, moving forward is just enjoying it, taking it for what it is, not overthinking it and putting too much pressure on the results and just spreading positivity in terms of the running and the overall running experience. So. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. I'm glad that I got you to come on and it's it's been very insightful for me learning more about ultra running. I'm sure a lot of people listening as well. But where can people find you? Because I'm sure they want to follow you. They want to buy your ebook filled with so many good recipes.
2: Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram, Lucy underscore Bartholomew. Um, and I'm not going to spell that, but you can find it. Um, <laughs> it's
1: pretty easy okay cool
2: uh and then my website is where you can buy the ebook or it's the link in my bio on instagram uh i am on facebook but it's pretty much a copy and paste of what goes on instagram so you don't really (laughs) need to see it twice um and then i'm on strava is the other way if you really want to see what the training looks like and how slow we do go (laughs) that's the place to find it
1: yeah you're popping on strava you're popular on there
2: yeah, I think people are just like, why? <laughs> why do you run so much?
1: <laughs> uh, All the good people... content. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really fun.
2: Yeah, likewise, Emma. And like I said, you know, like and what I've said to you previously is I would love to, to share a run with you on the trails to get you with maybe inside the ultra running world. But you know, like, I think that something like the camps, like I've put on a few camps and I think that you would be an amazing leader at some of those camps for females, especially and just kind of merging those worlds of like, you're a track runner and I'm an ultra runner. Like people seem to think they're separate spaces um, and they're not, you yeah, know, let's make, run. yeah, let's make them one. Yeah. Let's them run. put it's it running. together. Yeah. <laughs> let's <laughs> do it. i bit of walking and eating.
1: <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah awesome well to close out the podcast can we get a good old peace out fellas
2: oh i've been waiting for this all podcast all right peace out fellas
1: thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of commas over cold brew i had a great time with lucy she's literally my spirit animal even though we've never met in person i feel like we have so much in common thank you to charles j for supporting the podcast i give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode. So if you want to support, it's just through the Anchor platform. It's super easy. The link is in the show notes. Follow Combos Over Cold Brew on Instagram if you want some input. Usually I ask if the listeners have any questions before I record the episode. Also, if you want to support the podcast for free, it means a lot to me when you rate and review the podcast. It helps grow it organically, and I just love to hear your feedback. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas